0: Christ's mission is our mission. There's a reason why our call to share Christ and his gospel is called the Great Commission. Not just another commission, it is the greatest task you will ever be assigned. Do you know that the tremendous blessing of helping somebody walk from darkness into light is an opportunity that we will never have again after we die? Never. There's no lost people in heaven. There's no need for evangelism. You have one chance to be a part of the work of Christ in saving someone's soul, and you're living in that chance right now.
1: Hello, Coastal. Are you? You're awake. My name is Tim Beam. I am a small group leader, which meets at ten, uh, on Tuesdays at seven o'clock, starting in September thirteenth. So, if you'd like to join me, uh, my last name's Beans, and we'd like to grow. <laughs> uh, so, I'll meet you in the back in the foyer after the service. Uh, but I'm bringing uh, God's Word, uh, the Scripture today, as we look at Colossians chapter three, verses one through seventeen. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another if if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one, one body and be thankful that the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed or every, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him.
0: Praise God. Thank you, Tim. Healthy things grow. Our youngest daughter, her name is Karis, but that wasn't her original name. Her original name was Anandini, and she's from Hyderabad, India. Three years ago, after a two-year process, we traveled to India to adopt our youngest daughter, and when we arrived to get her, she was 15 months old. Now, when we arrive together at 15 months, you know, most of the times when a kid hits about six to eight months, they're already crawling around, trying to pull themselves up on things to try to stand. And typically, I know this isn't always the case, but typically by about a year, they're already standing up, walking around, maybe even running around and causing all sorts of mess in your house. But when we went to get our youngest daughter in India, she had been alone. And in fact, um, even though they had caregivers there, they were literally just caregivers in the orphanage and they would just administer care. So they would change their diapers, uh, feed them a couple of times a day, and then you know, break up any baby fights that might be happening inside those rooms. But they had this one to 20 ratio. So one caregiver to about 20 kids. So even though she had some care, she was really alone. And she had been laying on a mat for most of the day. And at 15 months, she wasn't running around. She wasn't walking around. She couldn't even crawl. In fact, our youngest daughter, when we first got her, her legs were like noodles. She had zero strength in her legs. She was so small for a 15-month-old, she was barely on the growth charts that they had but healthy things grow. And after just a few moments of being with her in India, once she started to get around a set of parents who were caring for her and praying for her, giving her what she needed, and then eventually once she even got home who, with some siblings who were, for the most part, cheering her on and spurring her on, she began to grow. In fact, in just a few months, we actually went from this. This is a video of when we were first in India to get her, where she was just learning to crawl. Beek-beek. Bigaboo. Bigaboo. Huh? And after just 5 months of care, we went to this.
1: Oh, look at her in the bear crawl.
0: All right. <laughs> And now most of you know, most of you have seen her running around here now at age four, running around like she's a crazy person and like she has lost her mind. Church, healthy things grow, but it's not just a physical concept. It's a spiritual concept. I'm going to give you the bottom line today for the message. My very last point I'm going to give you first. On the bottom of your notes there, I want you to write this down. Healthy followers of Christ grow with one another. Healthy followers of Jesus Christ grow with one another. Church, I want you to know that at Coastal, we want you to keep growing. Now, I know at some point you're gonna physically stop growing. In fact, some of you already have. You might even be shrinking a little bit. And in fact, the older you get as you physically stop growing, how many of you even know that even your hair stops growing in all the right places that it used to grow? I I shared a a few months ago that I I found this one random hair that started growing out in the middle of my neck. And it was long and it was gray, just pointing out that I was getting older. And then I've had hair start to grow out in my ears. And then recently, too, there is one hair that grows right here in the middle of my forehead. You guys are never going to see it because I shave it. But it's like it's running away from all the other hairs as it grows down way beneath my hairline. And if you're under 30 years old, I'm just trying to give you something to look forward to as you get a little bit older. But nevertheless, you may stop growing physically. But church, I hope that you never stop growing spiritually. If you're not dead, God's not done with how much he wants to pour into you and how much he wants to grow in you. So today I wanna share with you just four thoughts on how healthy church goers, people who go to church, how healthy church goers grow out of Colossians chapter three that Tim just read. So listen to what Paul says again here in Colossians chapter three, verse one. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. First thing I want you to write down about how healthy followers of Jesus grow. Healthy things grow through setting your mind on things above. Healthy Things grow through setting your mind on things above. Church, have you ever thought about what it is that you think about? Um, I wanted to share with you, you don't have to write this down, but I wanted to share with you some of the things that are typically flowing through my mind. Uh, This is just for me and hopefully just for fun. Um, So this, you have to write this down, but these are some of the thoughts that are always coming through my mind. One of the thoughts that I have quite often is what in the world am I gonna eat next? I love food. I'm always thinking about food. In fact, I know some of you are just like me and right now you're thinking, when is this guy gonna be done so I can go and get my lunch after this church service is over? And you know what? I'm not even mad at you because I'm thinking the same thing. (laughs) When am I gonna wrap up this message so I can go ahead and eat what I'm going to eat next? I'm always thinking about food. Another thing that I'm always thinking about is when am I gonna get a chance to ride my bike next? Okay, now, It's not a motorcycle, it's like a pedal bike, okay? Like a a bicycle. When am I gonna get a chance to ride my bike next? Now, I learned how to ride a bike when I was 20 years old, Uh, I was actually, I know some of you guys may have thought I was the coolest person in the world, but after I tell you the story, you're probably gonna take me off of your list. Uh, But when I was 20 years old, I was leading a middle school small group. And then some of the students learned that at 20 years old, I did not know how to ride a bike. So they, this middle school student and his family took me to a park and for about two hours, they tried to teach this 20 year old how to ride a bike and then after about two hours I finally got the bike to go straight in a line and not fall off or to tip over and then I was like I'm good I'm done and it wasn't until 2020 that I rode a bike again someone in our small group actually gave me a bike but now church I love it I love getting out on paved trails and unpaved trails. In fact, oftentimes there are all these nature trails to ride a bike on. I think about Psalm 19, where it says that the heavens declare the glory of God. And it's being out there thinking about the Lord. And it's even led to some really great date nights with my wife where we can get away from all this other stuff and spend time just riding and talking with each other. I love riding my bike. And I was thinking about when is the next time I can carve out another hour or two to be able to ride my bike? Uh, Another thought that's often flowing through my mind is where are all of our kids? We have four of them. And so anytime we're out in public, I'm especially thinking, okay, where are they? Because we don't really want to lose any. So I'm thinking, okay, there's two right here, uh, two over there, three right here. Don't know where one of them is, but I'm often trying to do a head count to see where in the world are all of our children. And then another thing that flows through my mind, maybe this is because of what God's called me to do, but I'm always thinking, look, can this be used as a sermon illustration? Is there sometimes a spiritual example of what I'm doing right now, experiencing right now, hey, even eating right now, I'm always thinking, can I use this as some sort of spiritual illustration to help you guys better understand, but also to help me better understand, man, just what God is doing in the world. So those are the things that often are flowing through my mind, the things that I'm often thinking about. But here's some things that I'm also thinking about that maybe are not so fun. I keep thinking about why am I still struggling with the same sins over and over and over again, even though I've been walking with Jesus for years. I, I, I sometimes think about, am I, am I even doing all the things that God has called me to do? Am I missing something? Am I missing some of the things that he wants me to do, whether it's been in this season or previous season? And sometimes I'm even thinking about it. Thoughts are often rolling through my mind. Am I good enough? Am I good enough pastor? Am I good enough dad? Am I good enough husband? These thoughts are often rolling through my mind. But what about you? What are the thoughts that are often flowing through your mind? What is it that's been dominating your thoughts? You know, there is one consistent thought that's been flowing all throughout scripture from Genesis to Revelation. There's this one consistent thought that God wants us to have at the very forefront of our minds, that he's been trying to teach us from the very beginning. And he wants us to know that all of this life, this world, past, present, and future, our eternity should be all about the Lord more than our own desires, more than our own happiness, greater than our sinfulness, greater than even our greatest accomplishments, we are to bring glory to God. It's just like what we read last week in Colossians chapter one, where Paul starts off pointing to Christ, saying that in everything, Christ is to be preeminent, which simply means that he is to surpass all, to surpass everyone, to surpass everything. We fix our eyes on what is above. We fix our eyes on Jesus. Notice that Paul says in these first verses, he says, look, we need to set our minds. We need to set our minds on things above. You know, that phrase right there, set our minds, it literally means that we need to think about, really think about what it is that we're thinking about. That we need to think about what is it that we're setting our minds on. And we are to set our minds on Jesus, that he would be first. You know, I've said this quite a bit this year, quite a lot this year, and I wanted to say it again. I wanted to ask you this question again, even though I just asked you this this past week. Is Jesus first? Is he first in your life? Is he your number one priority? Are his will, his ways the things that he is desiring, the very first thing to come to your mind when you're getting ready to enter into a relationship. Is Jesus first in your marriage? Is he first in your financial decisions? Is Jesus first? Paul says, look, you've been raised with Christ and to seek what is above, And not just that, we are to set our minds on Christ. Church, right now, if you're not in either a Bible reading plan or if you're not reading a particular book of the Bible, I wanna challenge you that you would set your mind on Christ. I wanna challenge you that you would even make it that where you would just read the book of Colossians. It's four chapters, so read one chapter a day. And once you finish that fourth chapter, start over again. Colossians is one of the main books in the Bible that points toward the supremacy of Christ and how we need to have him first in every single thing that we do. So I wanna challenge you that you would set your mind and meditate on and even memorize some of the verses right here in this book of Colossians. Think on, dwell on. I wanna challenge you to set your mind on, keeping Jesus first, setting your mind on things above. But you wanna know something? Sometimes to set your mind on things above, you have to have some funerals for some things below. Write this down. Healthy things grow by having some funerals for things below. Listen to again what Paul says in verse five. He says, put to death. Therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Man, Paul uses some very strong language here and he doesn't just say, hey, let's keep some of these things around like a pet. He says that we need to put them to death. But what is it that we need to put to death? Look, he he tells the Colossian church, it is the earthly things in them. And, you know, it's here that Paul is pointing to one of the biggest struggles in Christianity. It's one of those things that if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you kind of get a peek into what it's like to follow Jesus. See, there is this bit of already, but not yet when you're following Christ. We have already been saved from the penalty of sin. That's a theological term called justification. It means for the believer right now, if your life were to end suddenly for whatever reason, or if your life were to end here on earth, because you've already trusted in the gospel, you've already trusted in Christ, that this Jesus who is God died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. And when we believe that he not only died to pay the price for our sins, but he bodily rose from the dead three days later, we repent of that sin and believe in Christ and trust in him that our eternity is secure. It means that whenever life on earth is over for us, that we will be with Jesus. It means that we're no longer under the penalty of sin because you've received the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. But there are still some earthly things inside of us, meaning there still is a struggle with sin. Man, we still wrestle with temptation. We still give into temptation at times. And while we're here on earth, we are still going to struggle even though the Holy Spirit is guiding us and helping us to overcome the power of sin, which that's actually called sanctification. While we're here on earth, the Holy Spirit is working to conform us, to renew us and to make us more and more like Christ. But see this struggle also points to the fact that sometimes it can feel like we are taking five steps forward in our faith journey. And then sometimes we'll go through a moment. We'll even go through a season where it feels like we've taken 10 steps back. But God is working on us and he's working in us. And see, it's such a good reminder, something that we say around here all the time is look, even though we may not quite yet be where we wanna be or even where God wants to be, I know that he's changed me and he's still working on me. Look, Paul is bringing this attention to yes, there is victory in Christ already. Come on, church, you've already won. You are more than a conqueror. You're already freed from the power of sin and death and the grave, but also not yet. Because there's still some battles to be won. Paul uses some pretty negative language here to help the church in Colossae see that sin isn't something that we just need to hang out with or even cuddle up with. And have you ever noticed right now that in our world so many times, all they want is positive language, where if you disagree uh, with what somebody believes or feels, if you disagree with who they say they are, if you say anything that's negative, then they, they will cancel you, they will dismiss you, and all they seem to want is positive language, And can I just tell you that when it comes to positive language, look, God really does love you, okay? He really does love you. And this isn't the type of love where you say, look, I love cake or I love the Dallas Cowboys, which who would even love the Dallas Cowboys anyway? Like, it isn't that type of love. Like, it's this type of love that produces this forgiveness that, again, no matter who you are, it is available to you. Man, it is the type of love that pursues you and gives you grace upon grace over and over and over again. God wants so many positive things for you, life to the full, for you to be more than a conqueror. But there are some negative things that God points out through scripture that he does not, he wants us to see these things in ourselves so we can actually be who we were created to be. In fact, again, like I, I, wanna, I wanna help you, help me teach the people sitting next to you this very important thing, okay? I want you to turn to the person sitting next to you. I want you to look him in the eye. I want you to tell him, you know what? You're messed up and a little bit jacked up, Okay. Now turn to the person who was your second choice and say to them, you know what? I am too, okay? I am too. See, when God tells us that we are messed up by sin, it's not to hurt us. It's to help us. We need to see that the sins that we still wrestle with and sometimes creep up into our lives and sometimes that we still enjoy. Now we are to admit those, confess those, repent of those. And see, that is not where God wants you to be. Remember, look, if you have trusted Christ, that you are in Christ, we are not to be in sin. Paul says, look, we need to put those things to death. We need to have the funeral. And Paul actually gives two lists here. Uh, the very first list, list that he gives primarily actually addresses sexual sin. He lists off some things right here that really he could have written it for 2022, okay? He could have written these things for today. His list includes sexual immorality, which actually comes from the Greek word pornea, where we get our English word pornography. He lists off passions. Here he's talking about lusting after someone. Again, setting your mind on, fantasizing about being with someone even though it's going to dishonor God and dishonor them. He talks about evil desires and covetousness, which is pointing to wanting something that is so sinful or even vile and striving so hard, willing to do anything to pursue that thing. He talks about how we need to move past these things and don't just keep them around. You know, currently in our world, have you noticed just how sexualized sinful behavior has become? All the brokenness that is labeled as something, that should be labeled as something negative is actually labeled as something positive, even something good. But man, God uses this negative language here to help the church see that these desires or even these fantasies, Whether it's pornography, whether it's broken sexual identity, whether it's giving into every lustful desire, sleeping with a boyfriend or girlfriend before marriage, looking at reels on Instagram or channels on YouTube that objectify men or women simply to fulfill our desires. Paul is saying, look, all of it is sinful. It hurts God. It hurts us. And it hurts our relationship with others. He says, don't keep them around. Don't accept them like the world does. Put them to death. Now, this first list, like if you've been going to a church for a while, you're probably like, amen, yes. We typically go through this and and people are like, okay, like "I, I get that. But the second list is one that the church typically ignores. But again, Paul wanted this church to see something that maybe might be growing in them that even this pattern of sin or behavior is something that we cannot keep around, like it's something that we cuddle up with. He goes on and talks about anger and wrath. And he's saying, look, there may be some things that are growing in your heart. I mean, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when Paul talks about anger and wrath, he's talking about, look, what is it that's coming out of you right now is actually pointing to something in your heart. Look, are you having these outbursts of anger and wrath? In fact, another word for that word wrath is the word rage. How are you responding to people right now? Come on, students in the room. When your parents are telling you to do something, are you having outbursts of anger and wrath and rage? when you may not even realize that they're trying to tell you something, trying to even keep you from something that maybe you don't even see a pattern of sin that's building in your life that's only going to hurt you? Come on, husbands in the room. Are you having fits of anger and bursting out at your family because there's something going on in your heart that you need to repent of or even confess or even get help for? What is it that's causing anger and wrath and rage to come out of your mouth toward the people around you? And Paul warns this type of response only breaks the unity that God wants in the home and the unity that God wants in the church. Man, he talks about malice and slander. Now, this is when your speech becomes targeted, and is actually set to destroy someone else's reputation, even tearing them down so you can feel better about yourself. It is literally defamation of character. Are you producing malice towards somebody? Are you producing slander toward somebody? We just completed our spiritual formation class just this past Wednesday here at Chesapeake. We just completed and it was a a class on marriage. And it's for people who are thinking about getting married and maybe married before or wanna get married again. And those who are married right now, just to help you grow in your marriage and have these good solid biblical foundations to continue to grow in your relationship, in your marriage or prepare for marriage. And so just this past week, the very last class, we were talking about what it means to fight well, because if you get into a marriage relationship, you are going to fight. But remember, the key is that you would fight well. And so one of the things that we were teaching the very last week of the class is that when you have an argument, a fight with somebody, or if you like to use a softer term, when you have an intense discussion with somebody in the marriage relationship, we... we, I challenge them something that I was challenged with for many years ago, that you wouldn't use words like always or never when you're right in the middle of a fight. Because if you think about it, nobody ever always or never does anything. But have you ever thought about if you're using language like that, when you get historical in a fight or an argument, and you start saying this person is always this way, never this way, you're actually labeling their identity. And you don't realize it, but you're tearing down their character. And look, we just said it, we're all messed up. We're all a bit jacked up, but man, we wanna help people get to where God wants them to be. So right now, in your relationships, are you tearing down people's characters? Is that what's in your heart producing malice and slander toward other? Are you a character assassin, hurting others with the words that are coming out of your mouth. And Paul says, look, you need to put away obscene talk from your mouth. And now this is where your mouth can be filled with gossip, spreading rumors, or even foul language. Church, I want to establish you that I want to really challenge you that there are patterns or established behaviors right now that are growing in you to realize that this is not healthy for you. You need to put it to death. You need to have funeral. You know, Paul would say this in some other letters that he wrote, the same idea in Romans chapter six, verse 11. He says, look, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness, for sin will have no dominion over you. Put it to death, since you are not under law, but under grace. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, he says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And what he's talking about here is people who have not yet trusted Christ, If you don't have a relationship with Christ, these are the people who will not inherit the kingdom of God. He says, do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But... You were washed. Come on, you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the spirit of God. Second 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, if you don't have this verse memorized, memorize it today. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is passed away. And behold, The new has come. Church, you are not alone. If you're struggling or tempted to be or living in sexual immorality, you are not alone if you're struggling right now with what it is that's coming out of your mouth and being spewed toward others. But God doesn't want you to stay where you used to be. Sometimes you have to get sick and tired or being sick and tired before a change can actually take place. And Paul says, look, we need to put these things off. We need to put it away. We need to put it to death because healthy things grow when you have some funerals for things here below. Hey, third thing I want you to write down is that healthy things grow by viewing people on earth as Jesus views them. Healthy things grow by viewing people on earth as Jesus views them. Listen to what Paul says here again in verse 11. He says, here, now here literally means here in Christ, here in the church. He says, here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. You know, the Colossian church was actually believed to be very diverse having some Jewish people, uh, having some Greeks. In fact, that word barbarian is a reference for either Greek people or people who are Roman. And then that word Scythian were actually some tribal people who lived in Asia Minor, which is now modern-day Turkey. So all of these different ethnic backgrounds, all of these different ethnic groups were coming together in Christ and in the church. And then Paul starts talking about economic status He says, look, there is neither slave nor free, master nor servant, and even in the more modern days, employer and employee. All of them come together in Christ and in the church. So how were all of these barriers being broken down? It was in Christ and in the church. And I just wanna say one more time, that is the type of church that we are praying for and seeking to build right here at Coastal Chesapeake. For too long, the church has built barriers that the gospel was meant to tear down. And that's what we are praying for. That's what we are striving for. We want to see God tear down and break down barriers across economic lines, ethnic lines, to reflect our community. Right now, Chesapeake is 56% white, 29% black, 7% Hispanic. 5% Asian, and then the rest is a mixture of everyone else in between. And if we are reaching our community, we are going to reflect our community. Man, Paul's talking about a church that was multi-ethnic, multi-economical, and even multi-generational. And that's what we want to see right here in this place, that whether you are black or white or Hispanic or Asian or any combination, that you would find a place where you can connect, grow, and serve. That's why we want to see a church that is multi-generational, that whether you are in the womb or about to step into the tomb, you know that you have a place that you will be cared for when you can not develop as an authentic follower of Jesus. Man, we want to be a church that is multi-economical, that even if you're struggling to pay your next bill, you know you have a body of Christ that's going to come alongside you and care for you. Or if you're a CEO of a company, that you can come here and you can worship with everyone from every single point in between. Multi-ethnic, multi-generational, multi-economical. Paul said in Christ, in the church, all of these barriers are being broken down and we want to do the same. Healthy things grow when you view people the way that Jesus views them. But did you notice something as we've been going back through this chapter? Did you notice this theme that has been going all throughout this chapter that Tim read a little bit earlier that Paul keeps pushing this church toward? And I believe that through the Holy Spirit, he's even pushing us toward today. That this theme of unity under Christ that we just read about that this theme of setting your mind on the right things, on things above, even having the funeral, uh, putting some things to death, the sins that keep trying to creep back up into us in our lives, Paul keeps pointing back to where we first started. He's pointing back to the fact that healthy followers of Christ grow with one another. Listen to verse nine and verse 13 again. He says, look, do not lie to one another. Verse 13, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called to one body. And be thankful Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Number four, church, write this down. Healthy things grow through growing with one another right now. Here at Coastal, we grow together. We grow with one another in small groups. We want every single person to be in a small group because a healthy follower of Jesus, you grow with one another. You need another to be able to grow and you can't do that alone. You need one another. Man, all these one anothers that Paul gives right here points to being rooted and built up in Christ living out what God has called you to do. And again, here at this church, we live out all of these one another's in small groups. Look, he says, look, don't lie to one another. Again, if you're in a small group here at Coastal, I want you to know we're gonna call you out on your mess, okay? We call out each other on the junk that we're dealing with. If we're living a lie or telling lies, we do call those things out. Again, not for the purpose of harming, but for helping not for the purpose of shaming, but pointing people back toward the savior. We practice not lying to one another in small groups. He says, look, bear with one another. And in small groups, you will be prayed for and you will be cared for. I don't wanna sound morbid and I don't wanna focus on the the wrong type of negative language, but church, I have no idea what's gonna come into your life for the rest of this year. And in fact, if 2023, which is just around the corner, is anything like the past two, three years since 2020 has been, who knows what we're gonna be facing in the upcoming year. But all I know is that to be able to make it through another year, you can't do it alone. You need one another. You need somebody to be able to bear with you the challenges you're gonna face. You need somebody to bear with you the struggles you're going to face. You need someone to bear with you. You need one another. Look, Paul says, look, we forgive one another. And we put this into practice, challenging each other to live with the same forgiveness that God has given us. He says to love one another, that the love that Christ has, this Christ-like love of serving and praying for each other, this real unity producing type of love, we wanna live that out in small groups. Look, he says, teach and admonish one another. You wanna talk about having people around you that will help you put to death some of these things here below, but people around you that will help you set your mind on things above. And in small groups, we teach and admonish one another so we can do everything that God has called us to be. And as our worship team goes ahead and makes their way back up to the stage, I just want to challenge you again, church, that you need one another. Our small group season begins the week of September 11th, and I want to challenge you that if you're not in a small group, that you would join a small group. I want to challenge you, even if you haven't become a member yet of this church, that you would join a small group. I wanna challenge you that if you're a single adult in the room or watching online, that you would join a small group. I wanna challenge you if you're a a widower, uh, if you're married right now, that you would join a small group. I want to challenge you that if you are a student in the room, middle school, high school, going to college, that you would be a part of a small group. Hey, I want to challenge you if you are black or white or Hispanic or Asian or any combination whatsoever, that you would join a small group. I want to challenge you if you're about to step into the tomb, that you would join a small group. And I even want to challenge you if you've been working, walking with Jesus for years, if you still have questions about who Jesus is, that you would join a small group. You need one another. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. And God, I thank you for who you are. And and Lord, I I just wanna pray, God, that we would be a church, Lord, that sets our minds on things above. And God, even right now, there's something that we need to put to death. God, would you show that to us? God, would you help us to see the things that we need to remove from our lives so that we could become fully devoted followers of you, authentic followers of you. But Lord, I know how much you've created the church and even created groups that we will be a part of bearing with one another, loving one another, forgiving one another, serving one another. Lord, we need another. So I pray, God, that we will go all in and not just try to do life alone on our own, but instead to be a part of one another. We love you, God. God, we trust that even today, Lord, you'll keep helping us to see the world the way that you see it. God, help us to set our minds on you. we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name.